The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics, and the real issues that really matter. You, too, can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our uh, weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me uh, for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Mm-hmm. Henry, good morning to you as well. Good morning. And... Last but not least, uh, joining us uh, for today's edition, <laughs> sitting third chair, East Village Magazine Consulting Editor, Jan Worth-Nelson. Good morning, Jan. Good morning. I'm not least. No. Not by a <laughs> Good, morning, <shot>. <laughs> Good morning, Jan. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Good morning. We always start out with... Um, a series of quotes, and and the first one is is finish the quote where I ask you how would you finish this quote, and it goes like this: the most important thing we can do is inspire young minds, and to advance the kind of science, math, and technology education that will help youngsters what in succeed. Uh, I'm gonna say think for themselves. Um, is this Elon Musk? I, I, I'm jumping ahead, but no, uh, but that's but that's an interesting uh, yeah. guess, Henry. Um, the the original quote is the most important thing we can do is inspire young minds and to advance the kind of science, math, and technology education that will help youngsters take us to the next phase of space travel. Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, huh. Sounds like Elon okay, Musk. So, uh, yes, it does. That's, that's, why, that's why that was such a great guest, but it was, yeah. in fact, John Glenn. Oh. Oh, okay. And, of course, I, I wanted that quote. Yeah. <laughs> 
in honor of Star Wars Day. Oh, of course. May, the fourth. May the, may fourth, the fourth be, be with, with you. you, indeed. <laughs> um, yes. Anyway, I, I thought it would be kind of fun. And, and we'll have another little hat tip to uh, May 4th and Star Wars Day uh, coming up in the X-Files, of course, <laughs> where it belongs appropriately. Um, but, I, but I also want to throw back to the uh, tail end of, uh, of the first hour on the show. First, I want to thank uh, Chris Douglas, who always uh, joins me the first Wednesday of the month to talk about the economy but um, but also I got I, I shared the remarks of President Biden from Saturday's White House press corps dinner and it was nice to be able to do that for the first time in six years that's right yeah. that was yeah, an inspiring I, to, to tell you the truth I enjoyed his speech yeah I did too I and it was nice I, to see I, someone I, that I, I enjoyed about it. himself who could laugh yeah. at himself at least the Yeah, he away. laughed at himself, and he yeah. he he talked about uh, things that bring us together more than things that isolate us. He got a couple yeah. of pretty good zingers, and of course he he tripped over a couple of good lines, <laughs> and they, did, <laughs> they they didn't land as well as they could have. But but he nailed the one about being, uh, you know, the first time that a president. Uh, attended the the press corps dinner in six years that we'd had um four years of plague and and of course yes. two years of covid <laughs> yeah um <laughs> so he he, he got but a couple he got a couple pretty it, good ones yeah. it feels it like we have it, it feels as though we've gone through that kind of trauma and test this this line about kevin mccarthy was pretty good too <laughs> oh yeah exactly I like I liked when he pointed out that all the Fox News crew had to be vaccinated and tested to come in. <laughs> yeah, see, I, that, that was, uh, again, that was great. And, um, and, and I thought uh, Trevor Noah referring to the event as a um, super spreader event was kind of a fun way to open up. Um, but but it was nice to see the dinner back, to see the president there, to see um, the president and the press laughing. Positive. I know. Yeah, it was a positive was. moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's been such a lack of humor. I mean, for yeah. good reason. But, um, Henry, <laughs> if I may say so, Trump never had a sense of humor, I didn't think. And, uh, that, uh, well, no, that remember, a lot of people blame the, blame the fact that when, when, when Obama took a shot at Trump at one of those dinners, that some people say that's what initiated Trump to actually run for president, is to get I back know. at Obama. <laughs> uh, there was that famous <laughs> clip of Trump kind of seething as Obama took a shot at him, I don't know, what, six or eight years ago. I forgot exactly when it was, but during the Obama years. But, you know, yeah, you, you have to have a sense of humor. You can't go through life yeah. looking through a dark space. Uh, people don't like that. It becomes uh, old quickly. you got to yeah, show some contrast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, another quote that got my attention this week is, um, is this one. There are two ways of spreading light, to be a candle or the mirror that reflects it. Fritz was both the candle and the mirror, in my view. Oh, uh, he's talking about Mondale, isn't he? And yeah. 
Is that Biden? Is that Biden? Yep, that was President Joe Biden on Sunday. He honored former Vice President Walter Frederick, quote, Fritz Mondale as one of America's great giants during a deeply personal memorial service address in Minneapolis. Mondale, who served as vice president under Democratic President Jimmy Carter, died at 93 in April of last year. I don't know why this this ceremony was held this long after his his passing um, yeah i was surprised surprised at that but well it makes us think anyway how we, how, how will mondale be remembered i i think most people don't even know what he looks like at this point i think it's, no. it's been, uh, i got yeah I, I got a chance to meet him he like in fact i got a picture on the wall here when he was campaigning in lansing one time during the uh the uh, 84 uh, campaign, but yeah, yeah. I think he'll be remembered as a, a fairly strong liberal voice in the Democratic Party, both with Carter and then in his own right, uh, before and after. Yeah, but you know his name is well celebrated, uh, because you can remember that name, Mondale. There are many vice presidents whose name I, I don't remember, but I remember Mondale. It was always there. I don't know what he did of significance, but... <laughs> well, I will always remember him as young and inexperienced. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that line. <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. For the famous Reagan line. <laughs> that was, that's, probably why Re- that's probably one reason Reagan won, right? Yeah. yeah. Once again, it's a, it's a moment when humor really helped. Well, they carried the day. Here, here, people were yeah, asking yeah. Ronald Reagan, "Are you too old to be president?" <laughs> and he completely <laughs> turned that around. He teased himself. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, by by <laughs> saying, "Now I'm not going to take advantage of my opponent's youth and inexperience." <laughs> and, and that was very good. It it it, yeah, it, yeah. it was so well handled. You know, and, and even even Mondale laughed at that. I mean, oh, you, how could you yeah. not? Yeah. Well, well, it was it was like when President Biden Saturday night said, um, you know, talking about Trevor Noah and uh, introducing him uh, after he got elected as um, America's new dad, and he said, uh, "I was thrilled to be called a new anything." <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, that comment. The humor is just so cleansing, you know. Yes. It's a relief. And, I mean, I think Biden overdoes it on the self-deprecation sometimes, and I want to, you know, like yell at him and go, no, talk about what you did, good, and everything. Uh, but uh, still, his ability to make fun of himself Saturday night was, and, you know, and in general, when leaders are able to do that with confidence, so to speak, yes. I just I think it really helps. It actually increases my confidence in the person. Oh, yeah, it humanizes people in a way that other things don't. Well, it gives us, as a nation, it gives us a sign of relief, a sigh of relief. Right, Because of all of the stresses that we go through day after day. And and they're still going on. And so it's, it's as important as ever to be able to set aside a little time and a few subjects that we can chuckle about. And we really have to say again that Biden's affirmation of the free press was a huge relief. And he did it strongly and unapologetically and 
with no ambivalence. Uh, I I just thought that was like mother's milk to me. Yeah, very true. Very true. <laughs> hey, one more quote that got my attention before we uh, before we go to break, and there are some big issues coming up. And JD JD Weingarten called me this morning and offered to join us at some point during the show to talk about. Uh, of course, the the uh, elephant in the room, which is the the mm. leaked SCOTUS uh, right. uh, potential yeah. opinion, but but I want to squeeze this one in before we go to break. And I had a couple other stories before we start on the uh, on the abortion business. Um, I'm happy to do something to correct that lie. It's truly a lie. Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. I don't want to leave you hanging. Last week, Senator Joe Manchin was angry. The Democratic senator had seen a TV ad run by GOP Representative Alex Mooney, the Trump-backed candidate in a primary for U.S. House seat in West Virginia, suggesting that his Republican opponent, Representative David McKinley, backed President Joe Biden's sprawling social spending agenda. So he called up McKinley and told him he'd be willing to cut a TV ad and call out Mooney, a rare move to insert himself into a GOP primary. How good is Senator Manchin at picking his battles? He is good at that. Oh, he's... He's gotten himself he's in such good. a pivot position that he's got so much. If he, you know, if he if he were not the fiftieth vote in the Senate, he wouldn't be what he is. But he, every right. so many things turn on what he's going to do. But what's so interesting, Paul, is the fiftieth vote isn't a seat. You know, you have to position yeah. yourself to be that fiftieth vote, and he has done it. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. how ironic that the thing that he calls the other guy on is lying about supporting a good program. <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, when you when you first said it, I thought, did I miss some Republicans saying that they they're gonna like, you know, um, defy the big lie or something? He's talking about another kind of lie. And it's actually lying about supporting a Biden program, which is like the whole thing is just like this is where we're at right now, where a Democratic senator has calls in and says, no, he did not support this this Biden program. And that's supposed to help the other guy win. I mean, (laughs) does that strike any of you as just totally crazy? But but the thing (laughs) is, you know, I, I find it interesting and we're starting to see it, um, not just from Joe Manchin, but there have been others. There's a uh, governor in Maryland that spoke last night in uh, Simi Valley at the at the Reagan Library. He talks about, you know, rebranding and redirecting the GOP. Um, there are a number of people that are starting to speak out for what they think is right. And in unusual ways, this just happens to be one, you know, where Senator Manchin, you know, a Democrat, the 50th vote, is is going to, you know, jump in and do a TV commercial for a Republican primary candidate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's, you know, that, that's pretty interesting. Anyway, we've got to take a short break yeah. and uh, let our broadcast, broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. 
If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well, and we'll be back with more right after this. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom General stuff? Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than a thousand dollars now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen. We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? 
Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue with uh, today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. We have our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter on the left and right, respectively. And uh, joining us in the third chair, respectfully, is uh, <laughs> from from the uh, from East Village Magazine consulting uh, editor Janworth Nelson, and also joining us by phone is a uh, an armchair politics alumni and uh, a uh, uh, constitutional law professor from Michigan State. Um, is uh, J.D. Weingarten. Good morning, J.D. Hey, good morning. Good morning, J.D. How you doing? Oh, terrific. Hey, this isn't Lawrence Tribe. I want you guys to know that right from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now my father went to Harvard Law School, but I went to the Detroit College of Law at Michigan State University, which became part of Michigan State University, and I do teach there. And right now... um, so right now I'm grading exams, so I'm in a really good mood, and I will say <laughs> that. <you are>. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I think Paul and I could relate to that, JD. That uh, there's a money. I think so. That That's true. I, but I was think- loved, right, Paul? Right. Oh, you guys are so sweet. Listen, I I just want you to know that if I was grading the exam of uh, five of those Supreme Court justices who might sign that uh, horrendous uh, 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 illegal draft (laughs) at this point, I'd flunk them. Well, let me let me ask you. Let me me set this up a little bit, JD, and and I have a couple of questions about it. In a stunning breach of Supreme Court confidentiality and secrecy, Politico obtained what it calls a draft of a majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito that would strike down Roe v. Wade. The draft was circulated in early February, according to Politico. The final opinion has not been released, and votes and language can change before opinions are formally released. The opinion in this case is not expected to be published until late June. CNN did not independently confirm the document's authenticity. Politico said it had authenticated the draft. A Supreme Court uh, spokesperson declined to comment to CNN. Let me ask first, how unusual is a leak of this nature from the Supreme Court? Uh, all right. Well, first of all, it's extreme. It's never happened before. So That's what I, I was thinking, J.D. It's a horrible example of what can happen, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't applaud that kind of dishonorable conduct. It's like the Pentagon Papers at one time. But that was not the 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 uh, privacy of the Supreme Court as they formulate 
their uh, their their decisions. Let me tell you also what the procedure is, though, and and let me update the the public. Number one, uh, the supreme uh, ju- uh, the uh, Supreme Court, uh, the Chief Justice, has indicated it was uh, the draft. Uh, 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 yeah, the, yeah. And Alito is the one. Alito wrote the thing. Uh, and it usually what happens, and I don't know if it happened in this case because I wasn't there. Usually they have a meeting, and they they have a uh, they, they they agree on what you know what the what the ruling will be uh, tentatively pending a uh, draft, and then the draft is and then they d- agree on who should write the majority opinion, and, uh, d- as a draft for review by the other justices. Now. This does not mean that it's cast, obviously it's not cast in stone, but what this type of thing does is it makes the process even more, uh, it it, it dishonors the process, and and, and I don't go for that, and neither does anybody else. Well, I I want to ask a couple more things about that, and then I want to talk about the potential ruling itself and its impact on the midterms and public debate and and states' rights and all of those things. But first, did the the fact that we went through this pandemic for a couple of years and the Supreme Court found itself conducting business differently in a more open way through, you know, Zoom meetings and audio and, you know, some of these electronic things. Had we not been through that, would this leak have occurred? Paul, what do you think? I don't know. I was going to throw one. I just got a a message from, in fact, another attorney who talks for us at Mott occasionally. And let me read that and see what you think about this thing here. His opinion is that the culprit that leaked the opinion was Alito himself. The motive would be to keep the declared four supporters from switching to Roberts' position. One change would uphold the Mississippi law without overturning Roe. Now, again, I I don't know what you think about that, J.D., but that's an interesting kind of view if Alito himself would have leaked that. My, in my in my humble opinion, uh, th- that's the, we don't know what happened, and until we do know what happened, we, and we might never know what happened, I'm right. not going to speculate on, on who did it. And not only am I not going to speculate on who did it, from what I understand, they might be able to trace it down to the some kind of an imprint on the copy machine. Now that's that, but <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. Uh, uh, I, yeah. know, I know, I know, I know. That's weird, but. Look, you guys and gals, let's stop speculating. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. And you do. And, and, and in Michigan, I hope, I hope by God you have the right to choose, young lady. Anyways. Uh, um, yeah, me too. I, that's my, I might just throw that in for what it's worth. Uh, oh, oh, gosh. All right. Anyways, look, it, it doesn't make any difference at this point. The thing's been leaked. Let's talk about the law. I mean, I, I mean, I, and, and speculating uh, as to why, who leaked it, and what their motive was. That's just pure speculation. And you know what that does? Right. To, 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 yeah. It what it does. I say we it, leave that JD to Fox yeah, and MSNBC. Let's, let's just leave it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's it, a I mean some of these people, some of these people. I will say this: it's not all the news that's fit to print. It's all the news that's fit to sell. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I know. I agree. And so, I mean, is Alito, is he the type that would repudiate tradition to that degree or prestige to that this degree? Is the guy, let, me, let me speak to that. Yes. His uh, dissenting opinion, uh, claim, there, there are some dissenting opinions that he wrote that it shocked my conscience. One of them, really? and this is yeah. one of them I'm going to tell you, is, is uh, some policemen strip-searched a mother and a 10-year-old daughter in their male presence, and he said that that was cloaked in sovereign immunity and was not actionable. Mm. That's, the kind of, wow. that's the kind of decisions that have come from Samuel Alito. Wow. Now, Mm. I could go there. I could go there, and then I could. Th- th- uh, he was the he was the one that uh, what wrote the majority opinion in the Hobby Lobby case. And if any of you know oh, about yeah. that, oh yeah, yes, yeah. yes, indeed. Yeah. Before we get too far afield, JD, can you explain to us this uh, this Mississippi law that um, that they are considering and and how it impacts? the the Roe v. Wade decision from 1973. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. What, tell me about the Mississippi opinion, and then I'll be uh, Mississippi proposal. Well, the, well, I'm thinking about the Dobbs the Dobbs thing that they're that they're talking about the decision that they're going to be reaching um, on this law that they're considering. Um, All right, what is the law? Tell me about the law. Well, that's what I was hoping. That's what I was hoping I could get you to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I I don't know much about Mississippi, but I do know this. Uh, well, go ahead. <laughs> Ask the next question, Paul. Have you read a um, a, a synopsis of the case that's being uh, that's yeah, being well, considered? Doesn't the Mississippi law ban abortions? Is it after six weeks or is it after I it's 15, fif- fifteen weeks? Fifteen yeah, weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good time. Well, all right. Any law, any law that uh, allows a, ra- uh, a a child born out of rape or incest or uh, in, in in a tragic situation uh, that uh, that that opposes the the the, uh, the ability of the wo- woman's rights to choose. Uh, it shocks the conscience. It shocks my conscience. Now, I'm not saying that that uh, a child, a viable, a viable child, a viable fetus, where there should be an abortion. That's something I wouldn't be able to talk, speak to. But I do, I am able to speak uh, to the shock, shocking uh, results uh, that this draft could invoke on the rights yeah. of all of us. Yeah. Uh, for all Absolutely. of us, because you see, yeah. you can take the you can take the arguments that are and which I'm aware of uh, in, in in this in this draft, and you can apply it to other things. Like, you, you know where these arguments come from? Uh, you know where these arguments uh, where these arguments have, have surfaced? Fourteenth Amendment? You talking? Yeah. Do you know where they? You know where they came? You know? You know the arguments that Mister that Justice Alito has employed. They were the same arguments in Plessy versus Ferguson, yeah. uh, uh, where uh, where they actually said in their doctrine that you that it depends on the state's interpretation and, and laws uh, because this be, because the the uh, the legislatures were elected by the populace. 
And they have abandoned the Constitution in that regard. And the other case that comes to mind, and for those who don't understand Plessy versus Ferguson, that was the that's where the where you had the Afro American uh, had their separate but equal uh, schools, which was finally overturned in 1955 by Brown versus the Board, which everybody well in in constitutional parlance understands. The other one, you know, where the other argument was. Now you're going to love this. Uh, this everyone in the Dred Scott decision oh. in, in the oh, 1840s, yeah, yeah. and that was the decision that indicated uh, that uh, uh, Afro Americans were second class citizens. This yeah. type of uh, application of the rule of applications is absolutely abhorrent to the rights under due process and equal protection of the law, and as to the privacy issues that we all have enjoyed in this country for 100-plus years. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that... Uh, <clears throat> I, I, oh, and of course, then the other thing is this. I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I can go on, but I'm, I, and I will. This, if that draft becomes law, what they are doing is they are ruining the doctrine of stare decisis, or the right, or the or the importance of precedence in our law, and they're using any argument they can. And here's the damn tragedy of it: they're taking arguments for one thing, uh, for example, for gun rights, but they aren't taking the same arguments for, uh, 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 you know, for um, you know, the rovers, you know, for for abortion. And that's ridiculous. In other words, any legal theorem that they can come up with in some godforsaken case in 1896 or 1845, they're going to apply it. And that's wrong. That's not justice. That's tyranny. And I am so upset with, with, with if that's the result. Uh, I think it's, it damages American jurisprudence to the point where it, it, it becomes... Uh, a uh, a game, and this is no game. This is real life. This is not a. This is not. This is this is not something that uh, that we can say is is a political game. This has to do with the rights of all of us because they can take yeah. that. They can take those arguments and they can apply it to in the workplace. They yeah. can apply it to uh, the rights to vote. They can apply it to almost anything. And this is not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, you know, J.D., one worrisome thing is that the the basis for the Roe Wade case was the right to privacy that was laid out earlier in Griswold, Connecticut, on, on birth control about a decade right, ago. Yeah. And if they invalidate that, that can void all the, uh, of course, the, the laws against birth control, the, the gay marriage laws, among a lot of other things. I mean, it could go exactly. much further than just the abortion issue. That's the and, yeah. and Paul. That's exactly the point that you've eminently made, and that's the problem where we must stand up, and we must we must codify the, the codify the law as far as Roe v. Wade by enacting a statute and having it passed as the law to make sure that the Supreme Court can't just you know can't just uh, butcher. The rights of all of us. Well, yeah, the the I whole the whole strength of Roe v. Wade has been that it superseded um, state laws around the country that prohibited abortion. 
which exactly. which is true even in Michigan and in the uh, uh, hours following the um, this uh, Supreme Court um, draft leak, uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer took to Twitter said. Um, the Supreme Court is poised to overturn Roe v. Wade and added, I promise you this, I will fight like hell to make sure abortion remains safe, legal, and accessible in our state. Now, the question, and this is the, um, okay, I, I did find the uh, answer to your question, J.D. Uh, the High Court's uh, decision in the case before it, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, is over a Mississippi law and could have significant consequences for the court's Roe v. Wade decision in 1973. Well, it doesn't say what exactly the law is, but it's yeah. it's a Mississippi law, and the challenge um, is, is in this case, Dobbs v. Uh, Jackson Women's Health Organization. Now, um, the question that I have is, it's clear that Governor Granholm and others like her around the country are going to make this part of their re-election campaign going into the midterms. Can the governor overturn the 1931 Michigan law huh. facing right. facing an opposition majority in the legislature or is this going to be something that just allows her to raise more money for her reelection? All right. Well, first of all, unfortunately, she has to raise money for her reelection. Well, she's not going to get. She, that's just part of the, the political aspects of it. I don't like making a contribution, but I do, and I do because I want to see uh, the rights of man sustained in Michigan rather than trampled upon, like uh, like these Republicans want to do. Now, let me be clear though you, you can't have a governor you the governor in the act can repeal this old law and in the same and in the same uh, aspect it can pass the new law in other words it can be part of the act that it's repealed and then go on to uh, uh, enunciate what the rule of rule will be and will the legislator legislature legislator in a bipartisan manner uh, pass it well I don't know. You know, the track record there is not good. And I mean, I, I, I you know, but this is the problem with, with the people who don't understand what this is all about. That's why we have to keep this, keep the, keep, keep the fires burning as to the, as to the situation here. I was going to say there yeah. still is the possibility of a ballot petition to, to work around the legislature if necessary. Yeah, That's so a long road. Already That's true, too. That petition drive, haven't they, Paul? I'm sorry? Somebody has already started a petition drive. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. That's good. That's a that's that that's a that's a that's a co that's an overt way, and and I I I applaud that. I mean, something has to be done, and and uh, and Michigan has always st stood tall uh, on the due process clause, which is by the way in our Michigan Constitution as well as the federal Constitution. These are the rights, and I want to make it clear to the public: these are the rights that are implicit implicit in the concepts of ordered liberty and yeah. to transgress these rights is a <clears throat> flagrant denial of equal protection under the law and due process under the law and the rights to privacy 
And if those rights, those sacred rights, are going to be invaded, uh, this this is this is a direct threat to our to our rights under the Bill of Rights. And I don't think there's anybody that would disagree with that. Now we do have a very esteemed colleague who has not said one word today. Yeah, because like uh, you you're talking briefs. Democrats believe one way and Republicans believe another. And somewhere the answer is in between. Some of that. Everybody can't be absolutely well, right. But, um, but it sounds like and, the idea is talking constitutionally here. And yeah, I mean, yeah. And that's your thing too, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> and thank you, J.D., for recognizing that. I, I'm, I'm enjoying your scholarship, sir. That's what I'm Well, you're a gentleman and a scholar. I've uh, always enjoyed your scholarship and <laughs> I, 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 I've been. I've, I've always felt that you were a ra- rational human being and, and a great right. guy. So go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, I, I was I was thinking about all of the developments that you were making here, and thinking where the Republicans might have it wrong, but I have not been convinced that they necessarily have it wrong. It's just the the belief what they believe in, and you know, I still think that killing babies is murder. Some of us do. And it's difficult for some of us to to follow uh, that line. And you know, I'm a I'm a right. I understand what you say now, but here's the point I want to make about that. Okay, let me say this about that. And I I, I don't want to kill a baby, but what I do want to do is when the when the fetus is not viable. Okay, I think at that point the person has a right to make the choice. Now that was the basis of Roe. That was where the Roe I have. I have a. I don't have a problem with that, and I. And also, I don't have a problem if if, if there's a period of time and and the woman hasn't made her mind up yet. I would. I would. I would be in favor of 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 supporting the child in the womb. I'm not going to tell you that I'm not, but I am going to tell you that um, the basis of 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 Roe versus Wade certainly uh, applies. Uh, applies to the the issue of the of the right to choice. And look, if you want to, if you don't want to have an abortion, that's your right. I mean, yeah, isn't that yeah, true? But, but but there's something that preempts that the the right to practice risky behaviors and then kill a baby as a result of exercising those rights. Well, and the uh, one yeah. thing that and the one thing that people aren't talking about is the impact of uh, of science and and the recognition of when life begins is changing. Well, since, I don't have a problem with that. Since either. Roe v. Wade. So when you talk about a timeline, J.D., I think that timeline is moving, and there needs to be some more discussion about that. However, I don't have a problem with that, but you just don't you don't you don't shoot the horse for God's sakes. But, J.D., I want to leave you with this. You made a couple of good points. Very here. quickly, because we got a break in about 30 um, seconds. Uh, first of all, for incest and for uh, uh, a person being uh, inseminated by a murderer or something like that, I agree with it. The woman has a right to, to dispose of the fetus. Uh, not the fetus, but depending on what age level oh. they decide life begins at that point, 15 weeks, 13 weeks, or 7 weeks. I, I have no problem with that one. 
but the others I, I, I do have a problem with. All right, we're going to okay, take a so, short break, well, and we'll be back with more right after citizen. this. Darkwing Duck here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball, or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. You're not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney General and we got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. 
This is Attorney General Dana Nessel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash AG. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we continue with today's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner Program, featuring our roundtable regulars Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined this week by Janworth Nelson, and also with us uh, an Armchair Politics alumni, J.D. Weingarten. And we've been talking about the new... um, or the leaked, rather, uh, potential decision of the Supreme Court. This is just so out of character to even be having a conversation like this, because I don't think uh, a, a potential decision has ever been leaked before. As JD, not like this. That's true. Yeah. So this is this is this is uh, this is new territory, Tom. And you know, I, I, but I will say this much. I will say this much. Maybe one of those five will change their mind. You never know, and that would be great. So maybe this this uh, is all for for the good. I don't know, but I I do know that <laughs> it was dishonorable what happened, and I'm not going to say it wasn't because you just don't do that. You know, I was a judge's clerk once, and you just don't do that. You know. Yeah. All right, hey, listen, you guys and gals, I want to thank you for having me, Tom. <laughs> I got to go. I'm going to the baseball game with my son Billy, and I'm really excited about that. And and I want everyone to remember. Okay, one thing before I before I let you guys uh, discuss this further. Hopefully, in America, we'll make it emphatic and vote straight Democratic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, JD. Oh, good game, JD. JD. Thank you. Well, JD's always fun, and I and I was glad to include him. And thank you for your patience, everyone, um, because it's tough when you have more than uh, three people on a panel. Um, but but JD's comments were so helpful. I really yes, they were. You know, they a were. couple of sidebar thoughts. I want one thing someone should do is actually read the Roe Wade case. It's one of the more readable Supreme Court opinions, and it does cover the whole history of abortion very very well, and does lay out the reasoning for what they were doing in, in Roe Wade. To say as as Supreme Court cases go, it is a quite readable history of 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 the issue and, and well worth looking at. Well, we got uh, so involved in that, which I had really planned to talk about a little later uh, in the in the next hour, but we skipped over some some local things. So I'm going to go back and start picking well, some of those things up. Go, go okay, ahead, Jan. But I, I I feel like um, I need to speak up on this topic, being the woman in the room here, um, and so <clears throat> I need to say a few a couple of things because this is an extremely grim moment for me as a woman. Um, I want to tell you you guys um, something that I, I've never said on this show, I really rarely said publicly, but um, in 1970, I had an abortion. In 1970. So listen, man, I, I'm now 72. My choices about my body are much different than they were when I was 21 years old in 1970. I had an abortion. I was in Ohio. It was illegal in Ohio. And thanks to a very helpful uh, older woman, um, the two of us flew to New York City together. I had to go to New York City to do it. 
Now, you could say, what is the moral argument here? You know, I made a mistake. Um, I actually got pregnant during a journalism internship in <laughs> Iowa. Of all things, it was a journalism internship. And um, it, was, it was a mistake. What happened? Uh, See, somebody should have told I, you, Jan, just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I went way beyond the facts, I think. In fact, this occurred on the banks of the Mississippi River. It's a, it's you know, Ooh. it's a, it's just one of those stories. And in fact, the the kid involved was uh, a National Guardsman. And this was the summer <laughs> after the shootings in Kent State. So, so many of the so many aspects of this are just like head scratching, you know. That, but is this the kind of country where a young woman can do things that help her grow up? And if you make a mistake. Uh, can you move forward from it? Um, and I know, I know Henry's view that this is murder, and uh, and I feel that I had a right. I had the bodily integrity. That I feel like I need to have the bodily integrity. That's the term that Jim Richardson, my my dear friend Jim Richardson, who was the director of. Uh, Planned Parenthood for so many years. That's the term we right. use. Is that women women need to have, like men, bodily integrity. That what I made in my body is mine. You know, and that I needed. I I had the right at that point to make a decision about what happened to it. I. It's not a happy thing, um, but I don't want the government to be deciding and taking over my bodily integrity. This is a grim moment. So I'm not reacting from the legal perspective, although I really, really, really appreciated J.D.'s comments on this. But um, I feel that if we take away women's bodily integrity, we are heading into some very grim territory. And um, I, just, I just wanted to say that. But, you know, Jim, I interviewed Jim Richardson yesterday, <clears throat> and he, he said, um, he said, uh, uh, he said that it's all about the power men have over women and of, of men threatened by women being able to make their own decisions. Yeah. This is at yeah. the root of it all, that women are the property of men. And get, even getting into religious views that women are expected to do the bidding of men, that's all nonsense, he said. Um, so, that's, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not capable of making a legal decision on it, but I am capable of, of voicing my fury as a woman, that somebody would, somebody governmentally, it's just, it's horrible that the government can tell me what to do with my body. If you want to have arguments with me about the morality of my decision, fine, 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 but the government should not be my moral arbiter. I think that's just a grim moment. Dan, what a, what a, what a really compelling story. Well, well said, I, I, um, You know, already when you started this out and you said, well, back in 1970, I had an abortion. It was a mistake. I am already on your side. I jumped on your side right away. Everything else you said was uh, not necessary. I was already convinced that it was a mistake, and you uh, felt bad about that. You're a great person. Uh, and But everybody who, uh, not everybody, but when people go out and practice these behaviors, and, uh, and all of a sudden they... Um, does not accept responsibility for them, including the men. You know, I, I agree with you. But 
Now, my argument transcends race, religion, and all of that other stuff. So, I don't believe in killing any kind of babies, whether they're of any of those pedigrees. I am just against it. It's, uh, it's against nature. And I have uh, now there are people that don't mind killing babies of different races and different religions and so on. But I object to that, just in general, uh, because well, life is precious. Well, this certainly oh, has Jan, been. Jan, to your point, to your point, maybe a good example is you should not have had to go through all the the uh, turmoil you did to go to New York and everything else for that in 1970. Yeah. I mean, that, and we're yeah. going to go back to that, unfortunately, it looks like. With the, Jan made me no, feel I guilty. I, 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 knew. I, don't want to, I don't want to have the moral argument. I think, you know, each person has their moral arguments. That's the role of our priests and our ministers and our consciences. What I want to argue about is whether a bunch of white men can tell mm-hmm. me what to do with my body, can tell me, can make, can make the moral decision for me. That, you know, uh, that, that my argument is I do not want the government tell me to make those moral decisions for me. Well, I'm going to repeat, I'm going to repeat something uh, that was said, not by a white man, but a black man on the uh, subject of abortion. <laughs> um that that I've shared before on this show, and it really sums up how I feel about it, and and hopefully will bring this conversation. Uh, this has been a big story, and I understand it's taken you know most of the first hour to talk about it. But, but I, I enjoyed it. I learned something. I, I'm a better person. Yeah. I I agree. But there there were a number of other things that went on during the last week, and I want to get into some of those in the next hour. But I will share these thoughts, which were made by former President Barack Obama um, at, of all places, Notre Dame. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) When he said in his speech that he thought abortion should be legal, safe, and a lot less frequent. Right. Yeah, that's, that's and that really yeah. that really sums it up for me that that Isn't it, the oh. the option should be available, it should be safe. Uh, young women shouldn't have to be traveling two or three states to go find some place right. where they can get the procedure yeah. done, and God forbid that they should be, uh, you know, up over a drugstore in an alley, the way they might have been in the in the forties or fifties. And it's, um, you know, I, I think Barack Obama expressed it very eloquently. You know, yeah, let's, let's, let's try like, not to ever have to have them. Like Jan said, it should be reflective. People should look at them and reflect on what they did. Jan did. She did it. And she made yeah. uh, it's a, serious a feeling of guilt. Yeah. It gave, it gave me a right to grow up. It was part of what gave me a right to, to grow up at that time in my life. And, um, you know, if I, if, that, if I had had that baby, it would have, of course, changed the whole trajectory of my life. I wouldn't probably, you know, be doing what I'm doing now. Um, I have no idea. But, do, you know, do young women have, do any of us have a right to make our own choices? That's, 
that's the key thing there. You know? All right. On that so, note, we're going to take a uh, short break for top of the hour show ID. When we come back in the second half of Armchair Politics, we have some local, state, and national uh, headlines from the world. Uh, worlds rather of politics and current events and we'll get into uh, some more of those things with our panel of political pundits. Hi I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. (laughs) 